You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. All right, friends. Oh, well, uh, today we are uh, wrapping up our Once After Life series. And uh, I recognize that uh, some of y'all might be thinking, okay, why, why are we talking about what comes after this life when we're all being, you know, uh, confronted with the brokenness of uh, this current life? Like, like wouldn't it be uh, fitting to focus on how we should be living here and now? Perhaps you're feeling that way. Uh, if you are, then I, I want you to know, like, I really get that. But I, I also want you to hear this morning that um, this topic is extremely relevant to our lives here now for a lot of reasons, okay? But let me just point out two as we begin. The first is this, uh, knowing what's to come brings hope. And the hope is this, the life we long for, the world we long for, the love, the justice, the relationships that we long for, uh, they're coming. Like they really are. That world we long for awaits us. And that's really important for us to realize because the brokenness of this world, as we have been experiencing this spring and especially over the last 10 days or so, that can lead us to despair, right? Like when I think about our African-American brothers and sisters who have experienced injustice in America for literally hundreds of years, I, I just think, man, it would be so understandable to, to, to be on the verge of losing hope and like having to fight off despair, wondering, like, is it, will there be a day when it ever is set right and things ever are the way that they're supposed to be? But friends, in light of eternity, what we know is that as we work and we pray for justice and for things to be set right in this life as we should, we can do so clinging to the hope that that day without a doubt will come. And that will keep us out of a ditch of despair. It will keep us from losing hope. The day we long for because of Jesus is coming. Think about what Jesus said. Revelation 21, the one seated on the throne will say, I am making everything new. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Friends, the old order of things will pass away. Jesus will make everything new. Let that fill you with hope now. But as important as that is, that's not the only way this topic is relevant right now. For what God tells us about the life to come also gives us incredible, uh, gives this life incredible meaning and significance. For what's to come in the afterlife reveals that what we do in this life really matters. And that should motivate us to not simply sit around with like a, I'm just passing through kind of mentality. But instead, it should move us to use our time here well, to push back darkness by how we love and how we boldly share 
the gospel message with people and how we work and strive for justice and shalom as ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And you might think, okay, well, tell me, like, how exactly does what's after this life lead us to, to live that kind of life right now? Well, <laughs> to use one of my favorite movie quotes from Gladiator, Russell Crowe's character, he says, oh, what we do in life echoes in eternity. <laughs> and the truth is, God tells us that what we do in this life really will be remembered and it really will impact eternity. And as we wrap up this series, that's what I want to help one another believe and lean into more fully. For scripture clearly teaches that how, we, how you live, not only does it matter now, but it will also matter then. So during this series, We've been appealing to uh, near-death experiences as a possible line of evidence for uh, that there is an afterlife. If you're joining us for the very first time this morning and you hear that, that probably sounds really strange. Uh, I don't have time to get into it, but I would point you back to our first message in this series and encourage you to check out the website, whatsafteratx.org, to learn more about that. But for now, what I want to say is this. One of the most intriguing things people who claim to have had a near-death experience, what they often come back talking about is this life review. And what they say about the life review is it's like it's really fascinating, for it aligns with what the Bible says regarding the importance of how we live right now. In fact, I want to give you a chance to, to look at this. So here, watch this video. Sorry if it's a little choppy. My life flashes in front of me, as big as the sky. And it was right then and there, God and I began to look at my life. One of the most life-changing aspects of this experience for many people is what they call their life review. They watch their life replayed in this panoramic vision of every scene. And they see the ripple effect of their little acts of kindness or the things that weren't so kind. They come back knowing that how we treat each other, how we love each other, that's what matters most. My life was laid bare for all its good and bad. And Jesus was showing me this and saying, look at how that event impacted this person that impacted that person that impacted that person. 22.2% of near-death experiencers have a fascinating phenomenon known as life review. At this time, they may see a part or even all of their prior life. It's often described as flashing before them like on a screen. I saw an image that flashed into my mind, and I was 11 years old, and I was kneeling at a uh, church summer camp. Man, I was sincere. I was reliving every moment. It was almost as we were watching the film of my life. Okay, can you imagine what that would be like? <laughs> to have your life reviewed in the presence of God and to be able to see not only like everything you've done, I can't remember what I did last week, but like to see everything you've done and then to see the ripple effects of what you did, how it impacted others and then impacted others. Like, Wow, how wild would that be? 
Well, do you, do you know that in, according to God's word, our lives really will be reviewed? Like, make it personal here. Your life will be reviewed in the presence of God. Like you, this is in your future. That will happen. I say that because, you know, the Apostle Paul, like when he started writing letters to uh, churches uh, throughout the Roman Empire and telling them about the Christian life and, and what's true, what God has you know, inspired for him to write, he went out of his way multiple times to let people know that that day is coming. Like think about Romans chapter 14, what he writes is, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat and each of, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Or he writes to the, to the Corinthians, and he says this in 2 Corinthians 5, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Like one day in the future, friends, you and I, we're going to stand before God, and our lives are going to be reviewed. And you, you're going to give an account for yourself, and God is going to give you what you are due for how you lived. Now that thought <laughs> is frightening. It, it, it's, it might be frightening, it might be sobering, but don't miss what it signifies. For here's what it means. It means how you live matters. How you live matters. What we do in this life matters. In fact, it means that everything that we do in this life matters to the point that Jesus himself would say in Matthew chapter 12, he says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Wow. According to God's word, everything we do, good or bad, everything we say, including every empty word, will be reviewed and judged. Now, why? Because what you do now matters now. And what you do now has giant ramifications on the afterlife as well. And like to help you just wrap your mind around this, I want to give you uh, just two examples of this. All right. The first is this, that what we decide to believe now determines our destination in the afterlife. Now, friends, I know that what I'm about to share uh, rubs against the cultural assumptions and beliefs of our day. But just as Justin uh, shared last week, uh, I would be a, a bad pastor and a bad friend if I did not tell you what God's word says about this. For you see, in Revelation chapter 20, we are given a picture of what is known as the white throne judgment. And that's one of the times when, when we will come before God and our life will be reviewed. And the apostle John, he describes that day for us in this way. He says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now, when I read that, I'm like, okay, what are these books, right? Like, well, they were told one set of books 
contains the record of all that we have ever done in this life. And then the other book is the book of life. And this is the book that has a record of everyone who has made the decision to receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And those that make that decision will spend eternity with God in his presence. However, the same passage, Revelation 20, couple verses down, verse 15 says this. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Friends, what we decide to believe about Jesus in this life determines our destination in the afterlife. And you might not like that this is what God's word teaches. I I get why you'd feel that way. This really troubles me too. But there's a Brene Brown axiom that goes like this. Clear is kind. And on this topic, what God says is clear. Because in his kindness, he wants you to understand that what we believe about Jesus in this life will determine our destination in the afterlife. How you live, how many good things you do or wrong things you avoid does not determine that. All that matters is if your name is in the book of life as a result of your decision to place your trust, your belief in Jesus and what he has done for you. That's what all that matters. And the reason why we have the opportunity to make the decision is because God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whosoever what? Believes Believes in him shall what? Not perish, but have everlasting life, have eternal life. God in his great love for us has made the way for us to be forgiven, for our brokenness to be healed, for us to be adopted into the very family of God through Jesus, his perfect life for us, his substitutionary death for us, and his victorious resurrection. For Jesus willingly paid the debt for our sins that he did not deserve to pay. But he did it so that we can be set free, redeemed, and reconciled to God. And friends, if you believe that, that on the day of judgment, you will not be judged according to your record, according to what you have done. But instead, you will be judged according to Jesus' perfect record. For his record will be accredited to you. Friends, what we decide to believe in this life about Jesus determines our destination in the afterlife. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus, then I would implore you even right now to do so. Because of the grace of God, all you have to do is believe, nothing else. And so therefore, you can do it right now. You can just tell God, God, I believe you're my Savior. I believe Jesus died for me. My trust is in him alone to reconcile me to you. Just tell him that. And we're promised that your name 
is in the book of life. And you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. So that's one way that what we do now matters and impacts all of eternity. But that's not the only way. Uh, That's not the only thing that we can do in this life that will matter in the afterlife. For what Jesus says is that how we, uh, how believers live now also determines our experience in the afterlife. Or put another way, how a Christ follower lives now will impact how they are rewarded in the afterlife. Now this topic, it doesn't get the attention that it deserves, but man, it's so important because it reinforces the truth that how we live here as followers of Christ really does matter. In fact, what God's word says about this is one of the main reasons for why we as Christians shouldn't treat our salvation like a fire insurance policy. We're having been saved by God's grace through faith. We then live like hell, living unjust, unloving, self-centered, judgmental lives as if how we live doesn't matter. That idea goes completely against what Jesus says. For what Jesus says, to say it again, is that how believers live now determines our experience in the afterlife. For example, Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, Jesus says this, For the Son of Man, and this is his way of referring to himself, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Or the Apostle Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. And that time each will receive, and I think, man, like nothing good, but no, no, this is what he says. <laughs> receive their praise from God. Like when God reveals everything that's hidden, He's doing it as believers, looking for things to praise you for, things to reward. Why? Because as Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 says, God is not unjust, and he will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Friends, God loves to reward his people for their obedience and service to him. And this is a radical idea that points to the generosity of God because we know that every good thing we do is the result of God graciously working in our lives, right? And yet, and so like he should get all the credit for that. However, God still wants to reward us. Like, do you know that it's God's desire to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant? Like he wants to say that to you. And so he calls you to live faithfully, serving him faithfully so that he can reward us generously in the life to come and that we can share in his happiness. But because what we do now matters, he's going to review our lives. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, that on that day, we will either be rewarded or we will suffer loss. 
The loss that we suffer will not be a loss of relationship with God. It will not be a loss of salvation. All of that's not dependent on what we do. It's completely dependent on what Jesus has done for us. Therefore, we will not lose that. But what we can lose is reward, which is something that God does not want us to experience. Instead, he wants us, he wants to reward us for faithful service. So he calls us not to store up treasures on earth, but to instead store up treasures or reward in heaven. Why? Well, one of the reasons is because as a, as the pastor and author Randy Alcorn says, our rewards in heaven will link us eternally to our service for Christ while on earth. That our rewards in heaven will link us eternally to our service for Christ while on earth. Now, so much more could be said on this. In fact, I'd really like to say a lot more on this, but instead I'm going to just share an article for you to read because I know you don't want to listen to me on Zoom forever. So in the chat box, Justin's about to post an article by that same author I just quoted, Randy Alcorn, where he does a whole Q&A session based around the concept of eternal reward. And I'd really encourage you to check, check that out. It's kind of long, but it's, it's pretty intriguing read. Okay, but for now, all right, friends, For now, what I want you to hear is this. What you do right now matters in the afterlife. What you decide to believe determines your destination. And how you live as a believer determines your experience in God's presence. For what you do here will be rewarded there. So in light of all that, she calls us to ask, okay, then how should we live now? Well, what's, pre- well, what's pretty interesting is that when people who have had a near-death experience uh, that included a life review, what, when they come back, what they say is, oh, what God really focuses on is how we love people. For example, let, just listen to this one story by uh, former professor Howard Storm. Sorry, guys. Well, there was going to be a video, but it was going to be choppy anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Here, let me tell you what he says. Howard Storm, he, he just shares about how, and he's having this life review, and God is uh, showing him his life, and he's skipping all of these places that Howard would be like, hey, those are the most important parts of my life. Like those big promotions and rewards that he gets and some, like all these kind of big things like that. And, uh, and God says, no, 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 that's not what I want you to see. And he just zeroes in on how Howard loved people. He talks about this one scene that God shows him that where, where Jesus is just smiling because Howard goes in to comfort his sister whenever they were young. His sister was scared and crying in her room and Howard came in and, and, and gave her a hug. He says, Jesus was just beaming in that. But then he talked about how there was so much that uh, his story where he just saw how he used people and manipulated people and how much pain that brought to Jesus. See, this shouldn't surprise us that this is what really matters about this life. Because when Jesus was asked what's most important He said this, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it in the sense that it's completely linked to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, loving God and loving people is what matters most. In fact, to get even more narrow, in Romans 13, verse 9, and Galatians 5, verse 18, and James chapter 2, verse 8, Jesus' followers sum up the entire law. So it's like, if I can boil it down to just one statement, this is what matters most. It's the call to love your neighbor as yourself. Like Galatians 5, 18 says, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Like loving God and loving your neighbor is so closely connected that when you love your neighbor, you are loving God. I don't know about you, friends, but personally, I find this extremely encouraging and motivating and clarity bringing. Like right now, as I think about what's going on in Austin and in our nation, I, like you, can feel really overwhelmed. Like, I can't even begin to count how many times over the past 10 days I've thought, man, I don't know what to do. And when I actually try to do something, I think, I don't know if it's going to make any kind of difference. But then I come back to this. And I think, God has been clear. Loving him and loving others is what's most important. And so let me love. Let all that I do be done in love. Let me love as Jesus has loved me. And how has Jesus loved me? How has Jesus loved you? He, he laid down his privileges to serve others, to put others first. Man, let me love like Jesus has loved me. When I think, am I making a difference? Does what I'm doing even matter? I can know it absolutely does. And you can know it absolutely does. For what we do now matters now and will matter for all eternity. So let's live lives of love to please God on that day when our life is reviewed before him. See, C.S. Lewis, in his classic Mere Christianity, made this statement. I couldn't agree more. He said, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Friends, let us live this life in light of the life to come. For what we do now will greatly matter then. And what you decide to believe now in regards to Jesus will greatly matter then what we decide to believe, and then as believers, how we live. Let's live in light of eternity. Let me pray, and then Justin's going to lead us in a time of communion. Father, will you say to us what you want 
what you, what you want to say. Would we hear it? Would it stick with us? God, would you move us to live in light of the long tomorrow, as A.W. Tozer says. God, that we would not forget that one day we will stand in your presence and give account for our lives. And at that moment, you aren't going to want to nitpick to point out every wrong thing we've done, but you're looking for things you can reward. The times in our lives where we go and we love like you have loved us. God, would you move us to be a church family that loves like you've called us to and lives in light of eternity and partners with you to fight back injustice and to love our neighbors well. God, we need you to do this work in our hearts. We ask things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.